thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And welcome back. We've had a little hiatus, a little break, and uh, there's some good reasons for that. A couple of our listeners have certainly noticed that. We've had quite a few emails and uh, a couple of, you know, digs from friends. Hey, when are you recording next? What, what's going on? There's a gap. There's a break. What's going on? And uh, for those of you who've been following the story for the last months, you'd realize that uh, both Andrea and I have had some huge things happening in our lives, and uh, we would love to be everything to everyone. But as most women know, you try to do the best you can, but you can't always do everything. And unfortunately, the recordings had to just stop for a moment, um, but we're back and we're going to try and get this rolling each week again because it was really all about me. <laughs> so it was, you know, it was really my fault. I'm sorry, guys, I let you down. Um, but you know, I've had uh, preoccupation. What has been preoccupying me, Andrea? Oh, you definitely have not <laughs> let us down, Ash. Um, I, I definitely don't want you to think that at all. Um, you have had pretty much like I cannot imagine anything more like anything bigger or more exciting than what you've just experienced. And you've just given birth to the most beautiful little baby boy, little Oliver or little Ollie, as I like to call him. Um, And I would like to just let all the ladies know that he is absolutely gorgeous. He is so scrumptious um, and they are both doing beautifully. But I think that um, it's completely changed everything. And yeah. um, definitely going to let, let Ash talk about how it's changed things for her as well. But I think that we went into this expecting, um, oh, yeah, you know, give it a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll give you we'll give you a little break and then you'll be fine to jump back on and you'll be, you know, just, just life as per normal except you'll have a baby. And uh, it, it certainly hasn't been that way, which is totally fine. Um, and I think there's been some really powerful lessons in there for, you know, you and your family and, and me as well. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And it's funny too, isn't it? Because I think there's probably a lot of women on, on listening now who've got a child or have had their first child or maybe have two or three and they're having a bit of a chuckle at our naivety. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, they thought they could do everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, which I love. And there's this this episode is going to be a lot about um, Ashley's birth story because it's pretty incredible about the lessons that she's learnt um, along the way now sort of entering motherhood. But also um, we're going to touch on some other stuff and uh, for very selfish reasons, we're also going to talk about like, okay, where does that leave me now? As in me, as in a friend of Ashley, like how, and it's also very relevant for me because the two closest people to me here in Perth have just had babies pretty much around the same time. And I want to talk about um, what that means for the girlfriends of the people who, you know, just had bubs, or if maybe you're in a similar situation to me where all of your gorgeous girlfriends have gone off and just had babies all at the same time. And then what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it happens, so it happens, doesn't it? And this is life. Yeah. And um, and look, don't get the idea this is going to be a very self-focused episode, ladies. It's definitely going to relate back to you. I think the powerful, um, you know, experiences we want to convey today is going to really come down to things like what are your birth options? What choices do you have? What questions are you going to be asked? Um, who in your life is going to challenge you to possibly deviate from your dream birth plan? Um, what resistance might you come up against? By who? You know, is it going to be someone close to 
you, someone more distant who's going to support you? So these are some really interesting questions that until you sort of jump into it or until you really um, make time to think about it, a lot of the times you don't know it. And and these are the conversations I have, you know, with ladies in, in my practices when you say, oh, so, you know, what what's your birth plan? And they just kind of look at you and like, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, what birth plan? Like, mm-hmm. um, And so it's really like this thing of going, wow, we planned, we planned, we planned to have the baby, but we didn't plan about the journey from conception to delivery. And that was really interesting. It's, it's just often a gray zone for people. They think, well, why don't we just kind of pop it out? <laughs> so, <laughs> isn't that just what happens? Um, and I think there's also a lot of fear around the labor as well, um, particularly when you don't completely understand maybe what's going to happen if you've never seen a live birth before either. Um, and I know that a lot of women, it's almost like ignorance is bliss. Um, if you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know what your expectations are. Uh, but I think for something like birth and labor, if you fail to plan, then you not necessarily are planning to fail. But I think that a certain amount of preparation is a really good idea. Yeah. So this is going to be kind of like a bit of a Q&A because Ashley has a pretty incredible birth story and I can absolutely vouch for the fact that she was superwoman throughout her whole pregnancy and her birth and labor was certainly no different to that. And even now, like she is just exceptional what she's doing, what she's achieving and she looks amazing. Um, and let's talk about the things that have allowed you to sort of have that experience. So um, first things first, Ash, can I just ask, um, I want to go into the labor in detail as well, because it's absolutely fascinating. Um, but I've always thought that, you know, that, that birthing process is almost like your initiation into motherhood. And is that, is that what it felt like? Um, I think it depends how you look at it. It's, uh, it, it, to be really, you know, direct with everyone listening, I don't want you to compare yourself to me. Um, it's such an individual experience. Every woman's labor, every woman's pregnancy, everyone's experience is so unique and individual. And it's such a, um, I think you don't give yourself credit if you compare yourself to others. And you just call me superwoman or wonder woman. What it, <laughs> that's, I really, really, really appreciate that. However, um, you know, I look at other wonder women and to me, I don't feel like a wonder woman because I feel like I got out out of it uh, quick and easy. <laughs> you know, like I feel like I didn't have to do the hard work that the word labor, you know, instills that fear of, of going on and on. Because I know women um, in some of the birth classes I was in that went on for 20 hours, 30 hours, uh, you know, beyond two days worth of labor. And I got over it, you know, I got out of this experience in an afternoon. I sort of feel really, really <laughs> blessed about that. Um, so, you know, you ask that whether it's something I think firstly, listening, don't compare yourself. Just take the Mm -hmm. pieces you need out of this episode. Take the options and the possibilities. Um, What I really want you to get from today from this story that I'll share with you about my experience is that it's possible. I want you to have belief and trust and faith and confidence in yourself. Don't have awesome. confidence in me. I've done it already. <laughs> so, you know, don't don't compare yourself to me. Just start to take the pieces out of my experience. Go, oh, wow, you know, that's something I could include in my, you know, birthing plan or that's something I might want in my labor, in my labor team. That's who I might want around me. Um, so, for me, it was it started way beyond the actual birth. It started in the I'm conceived. Wow, mm-hmm. how exciting. Now, who do I need with me? And that was the first question I had to answer was, who do I want around me when I'm about to do the most remarkable thing I believe a woman can do? And yeah, that's where it started. And so then from that point, who did you choose to be part of your birth team? 
So because I've always said we in our relationship, it's all very nice that I might want this and I might want that. But it was always a discussion with my husband, Peter, about what do we want? How do we see this happening? Because at the end of the day, he's an incredibly important part of uh, not just my birth experience, but the raising of our child. So um, I had to make sure that he was comfortable and, and confident in whatever choices I might have, but he had to be on board with that too. So we came about with the idea that we had two options in our minds and that was uh, probably not as conventional as some people expected. They, you know, first thing people say is, well, which hospital are you going to go to? Mm-hmm. And my first thought was, why do we need to go to hospital? <laughs> At the moment, I'm considered to have a low-risk pregnancy. Uh, everything's looking good and, you know, all tests and, and images show that there's a low-risk pregnancy. So why is hospital our first thought? It's actually not. We mm-hmm. opted for the options of... Thankfully, here in Perth, we have beautiful support network in the public health sector, which is just remarkable. The birthing suites mm-hmm. um, at King Eddie's Hospital and also at home, supported by something called the Community Midwifery Program. So that was the first thought. And we then also thought private midwife should, for any reason, either of those options not look like the right options for us. So we straight away eliminated the hospital as a, a first point of call. We then mm-hmm. went, okay, who's going to support us? And we were looking for really skilled um, and experienced midwives. And that's where we went to the interviews at the two different um, services, which was the community midwifery program, which was a home birthing option, and then the uh, birth suites. And after all of that, we opted for a home birth because my husband being Dutch, home birthing is still considered a far more normal experience for a woman than it is here in Australia. Yeah, and that is so awesome that you didn't really have to kind of get Pete on board with your idea to possibly have a home birth or in a birthing suite. Um, Ash, if, um, say, a woman really likes the idea of having a home birth, but maybe her partner is not experienced with that or has only heard horror stories, what advice would you give them to broach that subject with their partner? Well, the greatest challenge I think you're going to have is someone's going to say it's not safe. Yeah. And then the next question I would suggest you ask, why do you think that or why do you feel that way? Um, And hear them out. Understand where they're coming from because you think about it from a man's perspective. If he doesn't feel that home birthing could be safe, then he's straight away thinking he potentially could lose his wife and his child, his partner and his child all in one go because in his Mm -hmm. mind he's heard horrors or he believes the possibility of maternal and fetal death could occur. So it's probably the, the most extreme scenario, which is often the most unlikely scenario, but it's still something that that fear has to be overcome. So I would suggest you need to talk to not just you because often, you know, as as the wife, you're not necessarily going to be the best person to to convince your partner. You're trying to convince them. You're trying to help them understand what their fears are and answer those. So I personally would straight away get them on board with the potential interview process with the community midwives or with the birthing suites and let them ask the people who do this every single day. Yeah, that's great, uh, great advice. Yeah, talk to the people who are going to be there. You know, ask those women who have done two, three, four hundred, five hundred births. um, What's their experiences? What are the risks? What and let them just sound it out until they have an understanding. And if at that point they still really don't seem on board, you may have to consider other options. Um, Because I think doing something you really, really want without your partner on board energetically could set you up for a bit of a challenge when it comes to the labour experience. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. And um, I truly believe that the partner's role in the birthing process is so essential for setting the tone um, for for the whole labour as well. Um, okay, cool. Um, so, Ash, can you kind of talk us through, all right, so you've decided on a home birth, amazing. Did you get any resistance? Uh, yes, absolutely. And interestingly, it came from different places, not always expected. Um Sometimes that resistance came in the way of our patients, um, people mm-hmm. who possibly have had a poor experience with a birth um, themselves and straight away mm-hmm. think, oh, that's dangerous. And they say, oh, wow, which hospital are you going to? Because they're really excited for you. They want to be part of that journey because they you know, see you regularly. So they're part of your, your family in some ways. Um, and then, then that challenge was like, and you just look, look at the change in the face and the expression. It's like, oh, re- really? Like almost as if you've just spoken another language. <laughs> You're a bit of a, an eccentric hippie, you know. Um, and, and I guess I always said, this is one of the most important decisions I will ever make in my life. And I don't take that decision making process lightly. Um, yes. I've made an informed choice as to how we're going to birth our child. And I guess from that point, most people understand, you know, you and myself, we do the homework, we do the research, they understand who we are. So it, that after that, the challenge re- reduced. Then the curiosity mm-hmm. often set in. So, wow, that's interesting. So, you know, like, so why? Where are you going to do it? Like, which, where do you put it in the house, in the <laughs> bath? So then the curiosity comes out. So I think once you, you assure them that you're not just going, oh, yeah, this sounds lovely. We're just going to jump in a bath and pop out a baby. <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, for some people could happen, which is great. But um, I'm sort of a control freak, as you guys listening know from anything that you've uh, heard us discuss. And I needed to know that I had, well, all my ducks lined up, all my, you know, dominoes lined up stacked well so that um, hopefully the, the puzzle would fall the way we would plan for it. So um, that was for me a really big thing was to, you know, dispel the resistance because every time you get someone ask you that question, oh, why would you do it like that? Um, part of you has to be really certain. You have to be really certain about about, oh, well, why am I doing it that way? And that's where working on fears is probably one of the most powerful things you can do in preparation for birth. And to do that, I worked through hypnobirthing methods. Mm. So, you know, that's that was that was probably the best way for me to counter resistance. And one of the big resistances came from my gorgeous mum. You know, she'd had mm. two children in the 80s. It was a standard thing to go to hospital, say you're a gynecologist, have your obstetric support team there, you know, get the best gynecologist you could possibly get, um, have your beautiful uh, supported uh, birth in a private hospital with, you know, three or four days to recover when, you know, other people look after your baby. So her experience, whilst it was very pleasant and positive, she didn't have a negative birth story. Um, therefore, it was like, well, why wouldn't you just do it the same way? Because it all went well for me and I was in the hospital mm-hmm. and I didn't have to have a C-section. You're telling me all these women have to get C-sections in Australia now. I was like, well, <laughs> Yeah, that's the way it goes. <laughs> statistically, that, that statistically. is true, yeah. yeah. So statistically from the 80s to the current day, um, C-section rates uh, for everyone you know listening in Australia um, have risen dramatically and they're above 30% now. So one in three women walking into a, a hospital, um, higher if you go into a private hospital, chances are you're going to be offered or um, well, sometimes dictated that you're going to have a cesarean section. So mm-hmm. I really want to avoid that as possible in, intervention, if not essential. 
Um, and that's certainly like an, an episode and a topic all unto itself. Like I don't think we have the the time to really cover that in depth today, but we will at some stage. So um, don't uh, don't worry. We will certainly satisfy your curiosity there in terms of C-section, why that happens as well and what your options might be. Um, and also if that is what your outcome is, is there anything that you can do to help to ensure, you know, your recovery and health and for the bub as well? Yeah. So, and I can say this really, you know, unanimously speaking to a lot of different mums, particularly in the groups that I was dealing with leading up to our birth. Um, things like tools and, and techniques you can learn through methods like hypnobirthing can actually allow you to have a magnificent delivery, whether it be vaginally, whether it be through a C-section, you can employ the mm-hmm. same tools and have options and choices and an experience that is magical. And people say, well, how can you have a magical C-section? Well, you actually can. You know, you can enjoy and, and experience the full uh, beauty of birth, even if that's a requirement for your pregnancy. And that's okay too. So, you know, I really applaud women who can bring those tools to their birth experience. Um, so for me, it was really important that I started as early as possible, start training my mind and my body, you know, mentally and physically to to go into this labor process as as confident as it possibly could be. Now, Ash, with hypnobirthing, um, I know there's a couple of misconceptions about it. You are, you're not in a trance, you're completely in control, you're completely there and present with the birth, aren't you? Certainly. And it's, look, it's not oming your way through uh, through (laughs) surges. And that's the other thing too. For me, hypnobirthing was about changing the language, changing the language of labour. So things like we've classically spoken um, or talked about contractions, you know, in in a hypnobirthing uh, safe birth environment, what we generally would say would be surges or waves, Um, trying to change the language, diminish the fear behind some of the words we've heard so often, get that image of the, the women on movies with their legs spread apart heart screaming in agony, you know, gripping the sides of the table, having their legs yelling at the hubby going, look what you've done to me. Yeah. So, you know, trying to remove that imagery, remove that fear um, and replace that with supportive language and supportive um, emotional words that will connect you better to your body, your experience, your feelings, your sensations, and remove that, that imagery that has often come from society and the learning experience we've had from others. So it's so individual. That's why I loved it. It's all about you. It's all about you connecting to your energy, your baby, your body, understanding what you're experiencing, understanding the feelings and getting some control over this as well. So it is breathing techniques. It is visualizations. It is utilizing meditation methods. Um, and it's absolutely preparation mentally and physically for the birth process, for the stages of labor. So you can visualize your way through that labor and hopefully support and also get your baby through the birth, you know, birth path as well and happily and easily as possible. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So let's now fast forward to, um, water's breaking. Um, yeah. so, um, I would just love to show you, it was like five o'clock in the afternoon. I get a text message from Ash, um, saying, Oh, things are happening. Yeah. Waters are broken. And it was so exciting. And right then and there, I'm like, yep, I'm still calling it. It's a boy. Um, and my track record with picking the sex has been pretty damn good lately. So, uh, yeah. 
ticked another box there. You did that yeah, well. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, um, um, we, I don't like, I never focus too much on uh, due dates, but it was interesting yeah. because Oliver's due date was exactly the day he was born. So that's quite, <laughs> yeah. yeah, quite funny. I've always talked about birth month. So very much having that window two weeks before, two weeks after the due date, so to speak, because really babies biologically all have a slightly different variation in their timeline. And it's so normal for, a, a, you know, a baby to be 10 days over in the classic uh, vernacular, <laughs> or it could be, you know, a couple of days beforehand or week beforehand, two weeks beforehand, still very much safe and normal labor and normal delivery, normal birth. So for us, it was quite amusing when I stand up off the couch to go and do a bumpy uh, belly photo that my husband was requesting. (laughs) And I got up and went, oh, I I feel like I've just wet myself, you know, and they kept telling me, and this is the midwives and my birth dollar, oh, it doesn't happen like in the movies where it's like a flood and it just all rushes out. (laughs) Um, Well, I can say that it does. Because that's what happened with me. And I literally got up and just felt this flood of warm fluid down my legs. And I thought, I didn't just wet myself because every woman has that, you know, a little bit of question about uh, the incontinence. By late, but late stage pregnancy, your baby is pressing down on that bladder pretty hard and it gets harder and harder to control uh, the continence and to control your bladder. So it was almost like, oh, gosh, I didn't just wet myself. But when I looked down the volume, I'm just like, oh, I think that's I think that's water's breaking, my darling. And he looked across and he goes, well, what, what do I do? I'm like, get t- Towels. He's like springing into action. Yeah. Should I catch something? Yeah, yeah. I was like, no, the baby's not coming yet. It's, it's get the towels, mop up the floor, and then we'll see what happens after that. And so, um, uh, this is this is some of the more intimate part of the journey because uh, we'll share that with you. I, I believe you, you know, ladies listening. Um, all of these details are things that you'll have your own experiences for, and there'll be things that'll make you laugh and things that'll make you cry. Well, one of the funny points was that from that point, I went, "Oh, so this is happening! Like this has to happen in the next twelve hours or so. This is exciting! I'm ready! I'm so keen!" Like, and we were so excited because um, I've been just kind of waiting, just going, "I'm ready! I'm ready! I'm ready!" Whenever you're ready, baby, please, you know, we're welcoming you. Come on in. Um, so I sent Peter off to Bunnings. <laughs> Because so, oh I decided that suddenly here I am, you know, going, thinking, oh, labor's going to come soon. I need a stool for the shower. We don't have anything to put in the shower. I need a, I need a shower stool because I'm going to sit in there and bliss oh out. Goodness. Yeah. So, of course, Pete goes running off to Ikea. It's five past five. Ikea's closed, runs, you know, across down the road uh, and gets to Bunnings and just can't find a stool. Comes home sadly empty-handed but with food. Um, and by that stage, I was well and truly into labor. <laughs> so, I, I sent him out. you told him to leave the house. That is hilarious. Yeah. I just, oh, well, I just didn't, uh, didn't think at that stage. Stage, there was anything you know dramatic happening that I, I shouldn't be okay so um, yeah so that was the beginning and uh, my husband was out at Bunnings <laughs> so awesome all right so what is a broken now you're in that first stage of labor what was it like um, interesting because I didn't get what I thought I was going to get. A lot of um, the conversations prior to it had been talking about, oh, you you know, 10 minutes apart and all this sort of thing. Well, I actually went straight into a roughly three minutes apart um, and the surges themselves were around the 45-second mark. So I jumped right into, um, you know, early labour um, without mm-hmm. any kind of warm-up, so to speak. And that was really interesting because I kind of didn't expect that and I thought, oh, my gosh, this is all like happening. What, well, I wonder how long this will go for because I was curious thinking if I'm already here, how long is this going to take? Thinking it might go on for days now, like, oh, no. Um, so that was the yeah. fear. You know, that fear voice came straight in, interestingly, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, just breathe. It's cool. Call a midwife, talk, uh, you know, have a chat, see what's going on. My midwife is at another birth. <laughs> so- <laughs> 
she was at another lady who just called her to say her waters had broken. So um, she's she's talking to my husband over the phone, going, "So how how far apart? Oh, right, okay. Have you called the doula? Yes, okay. Well, just wait for me there. I'll be along as soon as I can. You know, you you've got it under control." And she was wonderful because she trusted Peter and I to you know know ourselves well enough. She'd worked with us all through, so she was you know well aware of our characteristics and knew that we weren't going to flip out and freak out and you know um, yeah. and lose it while she wasn't there. The only rule I had was don't get in the birth pool until I arrive. So um, so we didn't. Oh, yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, there's some safety things there. So, you know, people who are scared about this idea of home birthing, you're not unsupported. There are rules in place. There are structures. There are, you know, frameworks mm-hmm. to ensure the most safe possible experience for you and baby. Um, so there are things like this that people say, oh, well, you know, why is there a rule like that? Well, it's because you need your midwife there to assess you first and foremost and then decide whether it's safe and, and you're ready to get into the birth pool. So I really liked, you know, having that support and that framework that's linked back to a hospital system um, because it does create some structure. And as a professional, as an academic, you know, brain that I have, I need structure as well. So I had my mm. structured woman, which was our beautiful midwife team, and I had what I called my spirit sister, which is a birth doula, um, who's the um, spiritual, emotional and physical support for both me, my husband, and actually the midwives as well. She was amazing. So, um, yeah, so that's how it came about and then it just dived right in. So long story short, the first stages I was like, yeah, I've got this. This is great. Like if, mm-hmm. this, is, if this is pain, I've got this covered. This is not uncomfortable. It was just like a heavy period pain and you go, mm-hmm. okay, I got this. Um, and then, yeah, then I'd say probably an hour and a half later it really started to ramp up and I was like, oh, okay, this is more like it. <laughs> this is where things start to get uncomfortable. Um, and what did that feel like, Ash? Uh, well, I can say for anyone who's ever had an injury, um, injuries create constant pain. And I yep. just sort of, and this is the thing I was trying to liken it to. I was like, I don't know if, if anyone's ever broken a bone or, or had a, you know, a fracture or had really heavy bruising or something severe, some sort of major injury, the pain doesn't subside. It's just constant mm-hmm. and throbbing and unending. Um, the interesting thing about labor pains for my experience was that they're, intermittent so you get this you know incredible intensification this surge and then you get this recovery and reprieve of that and it's almost like your body's saying okay now reset reframe Mm -hmm. get your body and mind back into this game and here we go again. And it was like this incredible, like, oh, I'm getting a chance to, to refocus every time mm-hmm. in between. And that was really powerful for me because um, because of the work I'd done through hypnobirthing and having the birth doula support and the midwives, I felt as though I was always calm and relaxed and in control. And that was really a wonderful feeling. Awesome. Okay, so things ramped up. Then what happened? Then we had um, opportunity to jump in the birth pool. But the funny thing was that it had gone so far along and at this stage, um, you know, in retrospect, I was told probably about eight centimetres by this stage, um, trying to get into the birth pool from the living room between these surges was near and impossible because they were coming so quick and fast by that <laughs> stage. And they're like, okay, after the next one, we've got to go. It was almost like this this race, like <laughs> you have to move, you have to get up, you have to move to the pool if you want a birth in the pool. I'm like, I do, I do, but oh, hang on, hold on. Oh, it's coming again. We'll breathe and calm. And, you know. um, and then we managed to get there. So once I'd hooked myself into the birth pool, um, it was just really amazing to be able to change positions comfortably. A lot of weight and pressure came off my body um, and definitely the warmth of the water, just incredibly soothing. And I really recommend anyone who wishes to have home birth, if you have the opportunity and you can get a birth pool 
and you think it's an option for you. Um, for me, the pain relief component of it was really profound. I was I really noticed a difference between being in the living room, you know, I call dry land into the water space. There was a big difference <laughs> in discomfort and um, the water environment really calmed things down for me. So that was wonderful. Um, yeah, and then really just it all happened. You know, we had um, sort of a very sort of quick uh, stage one and then moved into like active labour transition, yep. I think it was 27 minutes, and then finally Bubby arrived and we were uh, the last stage was slightly longer because things took a little bit of time through the S-bend around the sacrum. If you're listening, ladies, there's um, the birth path. There's a little bit of an S-bend there that baby's got to move around, so sometimes things can slow down a fraction as the baby has to sort of pop its head down and under and get round behind the, the sacrum um, before, yeah. before bringing into the world. So that was just slowed down a little bit, and I was starting to doubt, thinking, oh, no, you know, his baby's stuck. What do I do? And just one look at the midwife, she's like, you've got this coming don't worry work through it the next one um the hardest thing was not to push that was the ah. biggest challenge i had in the whole delivery was um just feeling like this intense urge like i had to push and the midwife was not happy for me to push because it had happened so fast i hadn't had time for that cervix to really thin and, and dilate properly ah. um, so if i had have uh, forcefully been pushing it would have created injury to me i probably would have experienced tearing and some injury to the uh, pelvic floor and things too because it just yeah it so quickly but, you know hormonally speaking you normally have time to to thin and to relax but it didn't happen that way for me so she was like hold your horses hold your brakes yes the baby's gonna come but you have got to slow the heck down um and that was really awesome. I didn't want to slow down. I wanted to have this baby. Um, so, yeah. And I think that's the value of having a kick-ass midwife who can help to take control like that and give you the absolute assurance that the best thing for baby and your body right now is for you to not push, which is probably sounds really strange. Yeah. Um, but certainly that was to your benefit though because you didn't have any tearing whatsoever Correct. even though you had such a fast labor that's yeah. awesome yeah so then uh it literally happened you know two two big strong surges and uh oliver joined us and it was just like wow and i loved that you know later because i've we've got birth videos as well that they sort of said oh look here's your baby have a look but i was still processing the discomfort and i'm going to say discomfort i hate using the word pain because pain straight away yep. makes your brain go you know negative chemistry um the discomfort yeah. i was still quite kind of processing with my eyes closed like wow okay whoa <laughs> and they're like here's your baby look here's your baby and i'm like oh there's my baby oh well but my husband <laughs> already had him in his arms and i was you know i think i knew that he was safe so i wasn't really trying to look at the baby i was just trying to whew, deal with me first and as soon yeah. as that, that you know i guess that whole whoa factor passed i was like oh wow oh my goodness there there's a baby and um he wasn't tiny he was 3.83 kilos so he you know he's a good size what's um, that in pounds ash i think about eight and a half towards nine pounds so he's oh uh, yeah you know good that's good, impressive yeah, good solid size little bubs he was um yeah. you know big and healthy and uh well colored and apgar of nine in the first minute and, and again at five minutes apgar of nine Beautiful. so ladies listening apgar is the birth uh, score given to babies to assess their level of stress or distress um and 
and a nine is a really good score because most babies do come out with um, blue tinge on their limbs and that's the most common uh, elimination of one point. So the 10 yep. usually occurs when you've got, you know, pinking in all limbs plus body. Um, he was quite pink in the body. He just had a bit of bluing in his limbs. So that was why he got a nine. So, um, and that's, you know, one of the minimum problems, you know, you deal with on arrival of your baby. So that was really thrilling to have him there. My husband was in the water with me, uh, baby arrived, and then we just had the opportunity to sit as long as we wished for in the water, as long as we were warm, as long as baby was warm, we could stay there. And just the, you know, the pulsing still there in the umbilical cord. Um, and then eventually got us out of the pool, took us to the bedroom, which was already prepared for, um, you know, us to lie down wet and all the rest and got to just lie there until the placenta was, um, ready to arrive. So it was just fascinating to see how this all happened. I, I cerebrally knew it all, but to actually experience it was really remarkable and, um, yeah, ex- and exciting. And the bliss happened in the birth. Um, strangely, my husband and I were lying on the bed and we looked at each other and we literally had this thing. We've got this baby in arms. I've still got the umbilical cord, you know, from inside me out to the baby, cutting between my legs. Um, and we looked at each other and go, like, what now? <laughs> we've done so much preparation for the birth that we had not prepared for the, like, okay, and now what? Like, what do we do? <laughs> what do we do? Um, so, yeah, it was quite quite funny when we sat there. We just looked at the other with a smile on our face and like, oh, my gosh, like we can't put it back now. <laughs> it's, no, no, no. It's like, wow, it's here and um, and he's beautiful and we're so lucky. So, yeah, it was amazing. Oh, Ash, that's incredible. And certainly all your photos of the process is just amazing. Um, how long did it kind of sink in for you to go like, oh, my gosh, I'm a mum. Um, honestly, or is it still sinking in? <laughs> probably five weeks. Yeah, okay. um, you know, and I say that, uh, and I think this is a big part. And I hope other women um, never feel that they're wrong for feeling this way. But I found bonding with Oliver in the first sort of four weeks. Um, I always thought I was going to feel bliss and joy. And Mm -hmm. I say this with a lot of love because I love him with all of my heart, but I just had a a sensation of like, it's a baby, but I didn't feel the bliss and the joy. I didn't Mm -hmm. feel this immense, like, Oh, it's my baby. And I'll do it. It's just, it was just like, okay. I I kind of felt like a, a a milking cow, um, you know, just with baby on boob all the time. I felt uh, disconnected because crying and I knew the differences in cries because I've worked with a lot of children, but I still was like, this is my baby. And now I just can't hand it back. (laughs) You know, like it's not like you borrowed it. It's not like you're babysitting or being a nanny. You take the hard stuff and then you just can't hand it back and get recovery. So I found that um, the, you know, lack of sleep and, and the uh, probably all the new experiences happening in the first couple of weeks really didn't give me a lot of bliss and joy. And um, and I hope other women listening kind of can relate to this because never feel that it's wrong to feel that way. It doesn't matter how prepared you are or how many women tell you, oh, but all those amazing birth hormones are going to make you feel incredible. You'll just like be so loved up. And I'm like, yeah, I'm loved up, but I'm not joyful. This is really strange because yeah. they were promising me these hormones that were going to make me feel amazing. So, And where were they? <laughs> yeah, and they were there, but just uh, in a different different way, I think. And for me, that was um, something that I will, you know, and it was it was challenging. It was really challenging. And um, I'm glad we're kind of getting to a point where I can, can very easily and comfortably say I'm just in love with my baby and I do feel that bliss and joy and it's um it's hard but it's wonderful um so yeah so ladies if you're struggling those first weeks 
oh, you just need to get the right people around you, talk to the right people, talk to, you know, experienced midwives or other women who've had a lot of births. Um, and if they are telling you all, telling you that you should feel blissful and joyful, um, that's all very nice, but it's not going to happen for every woman. So, you know, remember mm. it's okay too. Yeah, and statistically about 80% of women um, post-birth will have some experience with, you know, what they usually sort of whitewash as the blues, which can just mean not necessarily postnatal depression by any stretch of the imagination, but a feeling of this is different to what I expected, this is harder than what I expected, um, and, you know, pretty much what you described. So I think that that's totally, totally normal, um, particularly with the sleep deprivation, the energy changes, the, you know, it's completely different. Then pressure and stress on your body is a whole new demand that you've never, ever experienced before. Oh, absolutely. And I just felt so um, uh, there was such a sort of strange uh, divide in my emotions because I'm looking at my husband who – stepped up a gear that I didn't know he had um, and he was just an absolute powerhouse and an absolute rock and um, I was just feeling this immense love and, and gratitude for everything he was doing and then I'm looking at my baby going, oh, I'm just useless and my milk is poisoning you because every time, you know, I feed you, you then end up crying and, you know, your belly's Aww. sore and your baby's crying because there's, you know, got gas and wind and, and so you're feeling like, and I was just like saying to me, oh, my gosh, I'm feeding him, I'm poisoning him and I'm like, man, I've got the cleanest diet. Well, And then the midwife's, oh, you know, you can cut this out and cut it out. I was literally back to eating zucchini sweet potato and chicken pretty much in small amounts any meal I had because I was so scared of you know causing my child colic and pain and causing him to cry so much um and really it had very little to do with that I think because being such a clean diet in general it was more about the maturation of gut intellectually I knew this but when you're the mother and you're emotionally connected it is so hard to to understand that that you know you're not doing any harm to your baby it's just simply you've got to be okay with maturity and the development Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ash, did you expect that? And even for myself, because of the way I take care of myself, because of things that I know, and again, intellectually, I understand all of those processes. Did you expect it to be easy? Uh, Not easy, probably not so challenging either. Sure. Um, And I think the sleep deprivation is a big one. So ladies... I, I apologize to any woman if I've never given you enough love and, and sympathy and understanding, <laughs> support and empathy at that point in your life um, because I think until you go through it, it's very hard to understand exactly how you would feel in that experience because I was liking it to other experiences in my life like, oh, yeah, I've been hiking and trekking and, you know, hiking overnight and it's just horrendous and you're so sleep deprived. Um, no, this is like goes on and on and you don't get – two weeks later to have this epic sleep and sleep in for a week if you choose to. <laughs> so um, that's, that's the big difference. So, yeah, totally understand mm-hmm. women are struggling. Um, here, we're here for a call. You, you can talk to us. You know, Andy and I are great resources if you now need to talk to us. I think this has just opened a whole new world for us as the wellness women. Um, I feel really privileged that we can do this together, Andy, because um, it just means us now um, taking it from, you know, everything that happens preconception through conception and now, you know, post-birth. We're going to – we're one-on-one. We can really handle this stuff with first-hand experience. It's pretty exciting. Oh, and I think that – just because you've entered this new phase of your life now, I think that this just adds another dimension to the experience and the knowledge that we have. So thank you for taking the torch on that one, Ash. I appreciate you being first first cab off the rank there. 
Um, but and look, you're saying you're fr- you've got friends all around you having babies. So how do we support you and how do you support us? Like that, <laughs> this is the next big question to ask for women, isn't it? It's like those single girlfriends or the girlfriends without kids, how do they relate to you anymore? Because you've suddenly got this screaming, crying, snotting baby at you and you think, and I'm, I'm sort of trying to get this recording done and, and, oh, yeah, I'll do it at 6 o'clock. No, I can't do 6 o'clock that night because it's just wheels are falling off that day. Um, oh, let's try 11 o'clock tomorrow. I'm sure he'll be sleeping, you know. <laughs> I'm desperately trying to find these times to record with a, um, with you Andrea so I think the the thing I would recommend other women if you do have a mum with newborn it sounds really funny but I would personally would love the first question people ask how are you because what I found uh, happening, yeah. what I found happening is, oh, how's Oliver? You know, how's he going? Because they're so excited about this baby, and yeah. I would just yeah. kept asking, how's Oliver? How's Oliver? And I feel like I'm relating this story about how Oliver is, and I want to just put my hand up and go, but how about me? <laughs> you know, how how am yeah. I? Um, yeah. And that was really interesting that I've just noticed in the first week. Yeah. So many people ask the first question is how how is is your baby? How's your child? Um, and really, I think as a, as a mother with a, a new child, um, I really encourage people listening. If you do have a friend with a new child, how are you? And actually stop and wait for them because sometimes just that little bit of offload, that little bit of you know wait to to hear how are you, not how is your baby. Or if they start talking about their baby, let them talk about it and then say, and how are you going? How are you holding up? How are you handling it? Just to have that yeah. opportunity to support that person, the mother, because uh, I think the mother gets left out a little bit. If I can just based my experience um i would suggest that it's a lot of focus on the infant because you're so scared about all the things that could go wrong with a newborn um you listen to their breathing at night you're checking things you know all this stuff happening and um and they're going to infant checks and they're being checked at this and so they've got they've mm-hmm. got all these appointments i got checked by the midwives and after that that time is over my next check is six weeks later so for six yeah. weeks there's kind of no one checking in with me and that was really interesting i didn't realize how much um that gap would create um value from someone a friend asking how are you going so uh yeah ladies be listening i would ask you to ask your girlfriends with kids how are you going not just how's the kids how's the party how is this um ask the mum yeah that's so true and i think the thing that and they're going to speak completely selfishly just for a moment um so you know don't judge me um but I like like I said, the two closest people to me here are you and Kaina. So like essentially my two besties have just had babies and right at the same time as well. It's amazing. I know. And so now I kind of, you know, and and first babies as well. And so I have this intense connection with you and her, but I don't have this intense connection with the babies. Yeah, yeah. And so now but obviously, you know, I've been part of the birthing process. I, you know, was at Kinda's birth like and you know, I'm involved in that, but now it's like shit, like what happens to us now? Like what happens to our relationship now? Yep. And I I keep like whenever I like want to call or text about something that's happening with me, I second question it because I'm like, this is so trivial now because you have a baby. So anything that I would have spoken to you guys about before, now I'm second questioning myself going, is this even relevant? And so I guess this is my question for you, Ash, like are these things still relevant? Do you still want to hear the inane stuff (laughs) that's going on with your girlfriends? And I think that it's really important that you say, you know, ask how I am because that's so true um, because we always fuss over the bub but forget, you know, forget the mum in that. Um, And how can we reconcile how our relationship has to change because it, it does have to change because you've just had a baby and that's okay. But 
what sort of things can we do to still foster that? Look, I think it's, um, you know, just from these early days and the experience that we're having together as well with um, you and I, Andrew, I I personally would love to still hear the, the mundane, the ordinary, the innate <laughs> and stuff. It's because it yep. makes you still feel part of who you are. The biggest issue yep. and the biggest challenge I've had in these first weeks with Oliver is it's almost like a sense of loss of identity. You're gaining another one and you're growing into that other one, which is the mother, but um, it doesn't just flip. You don't just go from one day being the social, you know, queen going out for cafe visits, catching up um, because, at you know, full term, you can still pretty much do all those things as per normal, um, maybe without the physical uh, activity side of it, but you certainly can have a chat on the phone and just everything is still pretty normal, believe it or not. Um, but once that changes, you're still trying to, switch your identity into mother and I found that the biggest challenge that I would love to still feel like that friend before you know that that person as we evolve into the mother and you know I'm still gonna have to have those conversations oh my god it was a nightmare night last night um knowing that you you know you understand but you know it's it's probably not the the conversation we would have ever had before because you didn't have to um but from the perspective of a friend I still want to know about your stuff and your life and what's happening and um the the ordinary and they talk about friendships being you know friends for a reason friends for a Season or friends for a lifetime and I think ladies if you um, do change and your friendships do change that's okay too um, yeah you've got to yeah. you know you'll soon quickly realize which friends are there that are seasonal that'll come and go according to the whims of your life and then you'll have lifetime friends that you know I feel here with Andrea and it doesn't matter if, if you don't talk for a week or a month you'll still pick the the conversation up like you never mm. missed a beat and that's such a big difference and you need to be okay yeah. with that because those seasonal friends will drop away. Um, you notice the ones that won't ask you out anymore because they're not really interested in you bringing baby along um, yes. and so yeah. that's okay too and it may hurt a little and it may not be comfortable or you might feel a bit left out but just, you know, work out who your friends are and what they're there for. And then you'll have ones that are there for a reason, you know, a mother's group, for example, that are, you've mm-hmm. all got something happening in common and they may grow into lifetime friends. Um, you don't know. Yeah. So just to understand that it's going to change a lot of your friendships and a lot of your connections and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's very good advice. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think if there was any other questions that – as a person who hasn't been through that process yet, um, I, I think one question you touched on a little bit and that was about the pain, but how, I guess for anyone who may be considering a home birth or just trying to go down that natural birth route as much as they can without pain relief or intervention, um, Ash, in your experience, how bad was the discomfort? Um, like I said, it's, it ends. Yeah. Okay. So there's something really empowering about knowing it can't go on forever. <laughs> um, you know, when you have injuries, yep. you just don't know how long that discomfort's going to go on for because you break a bone and they say, you know, six to six to eight weeks to mend, and you think, well, how long's the pain going to be there for? And no one can tell you. Um, you've got to be sure that the baby will have to come out and it can only be there for so long. So it is about, um, you know, the ability in your mind to endure, um, to know that it will be ending and the, outcome will be just so fantastic on the other side and and of course I know that's not everyone's experience and I really feel for women who haven't had that blissful experience and if they haven't gone down the path of utilizing tools like hypnobirthing and they've and let's just say you're listening you think oh my god yeah right great I had horror um I would really recommend you consider another possibility another path next time around 
mm. if you're pregnant again and you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm just going to book it for a cesarean because the first one was just so horrible and hor- so bad, um, why not consider hypnobirthing? Why not consider a birth tool or, or getting some support or utilising the tools and resources of um, people who work with counselling and psychology to overcome the fear and the pain of the previous experience and change the next one? Because you can. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Ash, I love that. Okay, so tell me finally, um, what was the biggest lesson for you? <laughs> oh, you can't control anything. <laughs> no, no, you've got certain things you can set up. There's certain things you can put in place and the rest, Mother Nature takes her course. So be okay with all the scenarios that will occur. Yeah, I love that. Oh, ladies, we hope that you have enjoyed um, today's episode. I know it's a little bit different to what we, the normal spin that we put on things, um, but I thought it was really important that we shared with our Wellness Moon family the new addition to the family, which is little baby Oliver. Um, ladies, please let us know if you've got any questions whatsoever about potentially Ashley's birth story Um, and I'm sure she'll be willing to share things with you on our Facebook page which is facebook.com forward slash the wellness women make sure you're following on Instagram underscore the wellness women Um, certainly feel free to subscribe to us on iTunes give us a five-star rating if you think we deserve it because it really really does help us share the message Um, and ladies until next time be well This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.